This episode of the Earmark Podcast was recorded with a live audience. To join Blake on future live streams, go to earmarkcpe.com and enter your email address. You'll get a weekly email with all our upcoming Earmark webinars. That's earmarkcpe.com. All right. Hello. Welcome, everyone. Uh, it's so great to have so many of you here today. We're going to be talking about AI. I'm going to be showing you practical examples of how you can use AI chatbots today. We're not just talking about theory. We're talking about what you can do now to increase your productivity. So I would love for this to be interactive. Feel free to put your comments, your questions in the chat, in the comments there. Uh, Zach will be watching those and putting those on screen for me. And I'm happy to answer all of your questions and uh, even try some of your suggestions. So if you have prompts that you have been using or you have suggestions for how to improve my prompts, I would love to hear those. I would love to read those. So first, let's talk about the potential to automate accounting. Like I said, this is a practical webinar, so I'm not really focused on what's going to happen in five to 10 years. I'm focused on what's going to happen this year, next year. Uh, and according to OpenAI, the creator of ChatGPT, their researchers believe that AI has the potential to automate 50% of the work that we do as accountants someday. That means when our software that we use, our tax software, our accounting software is integrated with these technologies to work seamlessly with them. Right now they aren't. Very few accounting apps are integrated with AI. And when they are, it's in a kind of very basic way. But that doesn't mean you can't automate some of the work you do. OpenAI says that 15% of tasks today can be automated with AI, 15%. So, you know, that's not a huge number, but it's not a small number either. So um, that's what I wanna focus on. So when we talk about what are those tasks that we can automate in accounting, um, I'm not thinking about numbers. Generative AIs, these chatbots, ChatGPT, Claude, Bard, the ones I'm gonna show you, they're not great at dealing with numbers because they're not built as calculators. They're large language models. So where they really add value is with language, communication. And as accountants, we spend a lot of our time communicating. So um, I think that's the part that we can focus on automating is how do we streamline communication? How do we reduce the volume of emails that we're responding to? We'll actually increase the volume of emails while reducing the time we're spending writing those emails. Uh, and maybe memos as well, depending on your role. Uh, it's very effective for that. So I hope that this webinar inspires you to try some of these AI chatbots. On a recent AI webinar I did uh, with Accounting Today, we surveyed the audience and found that only 20% had used AI so far. And in my surveys of accountants when I go to conferences this year, that tends to be the case. Depending on the place I go, it might be as high as 50%, but it's definitely not, not the majority. So if you haven't tried it, I hope this gives you some inspiration. If you are using it, I hope that you learn some new ways you could potentially uh, speed up communications and writing. Um, so we're gonna talk about that, how you write 
faster, how you communicate faster, also analyzing documents. Uh, and this might be actually the best use case for AI for accountants right now is analyzing long agreements, legal agreements, court cases, that sort of thing. Um, that's one of the things that I really like about it as well. So let's take a look at the leading chatbots. Uh, what are the options for us today? I'm going to assume that you don't know much at all, if anything. So I'm going to give you an introduction to what we have. So the first and the best known, of course, is ChatGPT by OpenAI. Uh, ChatGPT is almost exactly a year old. In I think it was November 30th. Might have been November 30th, end of November. Uh, it turned, or no, was it in December? Anyway, it recently turned a year old. Uh, ChatGPT3 came out in December of last year. In March, GPT4 came out, and that is when it really got my attention because it started to get really, really good. And ChatGPT has been the leader. Uh, they're the first chatbot that connected to the internet so that you can search the internet with it. It now has image generation capabilities, a very powerful tool. And to get those advanced tools, to get the GPT-4, which is the most powerful version, you need to pay $20 per month, unless you are using it via Bing Chat. Bing Chat, which is being rebranded as Copilot, is the, uh, is the chat search feature inside of Microsoft Edge. So to use Bing Chat, you need to download the Microsoft Edge browser and I'll show you then how you can access Bing and you can get Bing Chat. And Microsoft made a $10 billion investment into OpenAI, and so you can actually access ChatGPT4 through Bing Chat, aka Copilot, without having to pay extra. And as a bonus, if you are a Microsoft uh, subscriber, Microsoft 365 subscriber, depending on your plan, you may have access to the uh, version with data protection. So you can actually use it and rest assured that your responses are not being saved by OpenAI. So gives you more possibilities to use it with client data. We also have Claude by Anthropic. Amazon made a big investment into Claude. Um, I actually find Claude to be the best at writing. Whenever I wanna do writing of emails and I wanna do uh, document analysis, I think it does the best job. The downside is it's not connected to the internet. It doesn't have plugins like ChatGPT, so you're much more limited in what you can do, but it accepts very large PDFs, 10 megabyte PDFs, uh, large documents. So you can do some really interesting things with it, including analyzing uh, court cases and that sort of thing. Um, the other one that I don't really use a lot is Bard. Google Bard. It just got a big upgrade, so I'm going to be taking a look at it. But up till now, this has been sort of the third place finisher and hasn't been that great. Uh, one neat thing you can do with it now is you can give it links to YouTube videos and ask it to summarize YouTube videos. Uh, we presume it's using the transcripts of those videos because Google owns YouTube to do that. So um, I won't be showing too much of Bard. Another one is Grammarly. Now, Grammarly isn't a large language model in and of itself. It's an app that helps you improve your writing. They have integrated with AI, and now you can actually run AI prompts through Grammarly. So this is another way to access AI and use AI with emails, client information more securely. 
because it's going through the API, it has the same data protections as Bing Chat. Um, so you can purchase Grammarly and you can use the plugin with Outlook and that sort of thing. Uh, and you can, you can get the security that most of us CPAs are looking for. Um, okay, I think that's it for the overview. So let's take a look at Bing Chat. So this is the Microsoft Edge browser. I'm on a Mac. It's going to look a little different for you if you're on a PC. Uh, and if you're on Windows, it comes with Windows. So you want to upgrade to the latest version. And what you'll see here on your Microsoft Start page is this Bing chat icon, search with AI. Uh, you can also just go to bing.com and you can ask Bing chat. There's a, there's a button down here, ask Bing chat. There's this uh, chat tool. There's this chat option here. And if you click on it, it's going to take you to the Bing chat, which will soon be known as Copilot interface. There's some suggestions here. Um, most of these are kind of like, you know, fun examples. Shopping, what are some popular children's clothing brands? Um, write a funny limerick about me, that sort of thing. Where should I travel if I want to have a spiritual experience? Um, and you're, you can try these, but I'm, I'm going to try some more um, accounting-related questions. There's also an important option here, choose a conversation style. More creative, more balanced, more precise. In general, you're going to want to choose more precise if you're talking about accounting or tax topics because you want research to be more accurate. You want to reduce those uh, the potential for those hallucinations. So let's search the web. This is actually, for me, replaced Google as the first place that I go to to search for anything, which is kind of mind-blowing if you think about it. We're talking Google has been the dominant search platform for most of us now for 20 years. And now we've got something that's potentially better. And I'll show you why it's better. So let's, let's think of a search we can do. Um, and if anyone has some uh, tax research questions, if, you, if you're here in the webinar and you have an example of, of something that you'd be curious if Bing can search for, let me know if it's accounting or tax related. I'm going to start with one. I'm going to say, why is the Haslam family, Haslam family suing Berkshire Hathaway. And Bing Chat is going out and searching the web. It creates a search for me, so I don't have to figure out what search parameters to use. That was always the hardest part about Google when it first started was you had to come up with a good search. Um, and what I'm getting here is I'm getting an explanation. The Haslam family is suing Berkshire Hathaway over the valuation of their remaining stake in Pilot Travel Centers, the largest U.S. truck stop operator. The Haslams claim that Berkshire Hathaway is using improper accounting to devalue their stake and force them to sell it at a lower price than they deserve. They allege that Berkshire Hathaway has adopted pushdown accounting rules that artificially reduce Pilot's earnings before interest in taxes and grossly reduce how much the Haslams would receive if they sold their remaining stake. Now, how do we fact check this? The beauty of Bing Chat and Copilot is that we have citations. So Bing has said that we've got three different places where it got that information, and we can click through into any of those. And we can read those stories and verify that information. Same thing here. So I love this, right? We can do research 
and we can um, look at we can look at the uh, uh, sources. So I want to dig into this a little more, and then let's leave uh, Daniel's question there up on the screen because I want definitely want to do that one. So I just want to I just want to dig into this, right? Like this is where chat really can help us uh, analyze. So let's say I'm going to make this a little smaller so that we can see. Okay, good. I want to understand pushdown accounting more because none of the articles that I read really explained why pushdown accounting matters. So I'm going to say, why does pushdown accounting matter in this case? You know, um, what is pushdown accounting and why would it affect the valuation of the remaining stake? And I love ChatGPT4 and Bing Chat for researching accounting stuff that I learned in school years ago, but I might not remember. And now I'm getting an answer here about what pushdown accounting is. And to summarize, it's when the acquiree revalues the assets on the acquired company's balance sheet. So usually the book value is lower than the fair market value. We're going to book the assets at fair market value. We're going to put goodwill on the balance sheet. And therefore, because we have higher valuation of assets, we tend to have higher depreciation. And we, that's the explanation we're getting here, right? The assets and liabilities, we have a higher basis. It could result, we got an explanation here. And we can click through. So I could also ask, you know, what is the uh, accounting standard? What is the applicable accounting standard? And it's searching applicable accounting standard for pushdown accounting. And we get the link, we get the number for the ASC. Now we could ask for a link if it doesn't provide one. I think it did here in this case. I'd have to go in and look at these. Uh, we're getting a PWC website. 10.1 pushdown accounting here, right? So this is this is really helpful. For me, this has replaced Google search as the first place I go when I search for anything. Now let's try Daniel's example here. Uh, what does it take to be able to deduct home office expense? Let's start a new chat, and I do that by clicking new topic. Uh, this is good when you change topics so that you can you know, clear out the memory and your previous search isn't impacting the result you get on the new search. So we're going to ask, what does it take to be able to deduct a home office expense? And let's see how AI responds to this. It reframes the search, requirements for home office expense deduction, and then it's giving me the four tests for qualifying for the deduction. And I'm going to let it write this out, and then we'll go see where it got the source. Oh, it's it's citing the IRS. I can see that here under learn more. So this is the number of the footnote, and then we've got the link. 
So think about the possibilities here for doing research on questions that you get from clients, um, questions that you have. Now, I know if you do tax, you have access to Checkpoint. You have access to these specialized tax research tools, but sometimes those are hard to use because you don't know exactly what you're searching for. So you could use this type of search to figure out what it is that you're looking for and then put that into those tools. What's gonna be really exciting is when something like Checkpoint has the ability to do a search like this, which I hope you know they're working on, but you never know with tax software, it could take a little while. So there's a lot of great information out there on the big four websites, on the IRS websites, right? On the SEC website, this can get you perhaps what you need faster. So I'd consider adding this to your research uh, stack. All right. Um, let's go ahead and do some document analysis. And we are going to switch over to ChatGPT for that. So here's ChatGPT. This is ChatGPT4. Uh, really important to note, if you use the free version of ChatGPT, you're getting three, which is an order of magnitude worse than four. Four is much, much better than three. Don't use three, you will be disappointed by three. So it's $20 a month to upgrade. If you wanna use ChatGPT4 and you don't wanna use um, Edge, with Bing Chat, this is the way to go. And there are a lot of benefits to subscribing to this. You get image generation capabilities. Uh, you get all of your chats saved here. Um, you can build your own custom GPTs. I don't know if we'll have time to get to that today, but if not, we'll talk about that in the future. Um, and you can attach documents. Um, and actually, did I say we were gonna do document analysis? I did, and you know what, I lied. I wanna use Claude for this, because like I said, Claude's really good at document analysis. So scratch what I said about ChatGPT, we'll come back to that. We're gonna use Claude. Uh, and Claude is one that is actually still in open beta. So you can try this for free. You have to have, um, you have to sign up for it. They'll rate limit you. So you might only be able to do like three questions or three prompts per hour. Uh, and if you wanna unlock, then you pay 20 bucks a month for that. So. Let's do some document analysis. Let's take a PDF and let's take a look at it. So I am going to attach a document uh, and I'm gonna go to my desktop here and I'm going to find this document here, uh, Murfim Enterprises. Okay, so this was a tax case that was um, in the news recently and I need help understanding it. Um, so rather than go and read a bunch of blog posts by other folks, I'm thinking maybe I can just like analyze it myself. So I've uploaded the PDF, I attached the PDF in Claude, and I'm writing a prompt here. Now, when you write prompts, the best way to do it is to start with I am, describe who you are. So I'm a CPA. This gives it context. It's always helpful to have context. Uh, and that same thing for these LLMs. They give you better responses if you tell them who you are and what you need. So you start with who you are, I'm a CPA. And then you say, you are. You are a helpful legal assistant. Give it a job to do. Um, that helps it figure out what its answer should be. And then you tell it what you need. Provide an executive summary of this document in plain English. I am particularly interested in how this case might affect my clients from a tax standpoint. Um, and that's kind of the basic framework of a prompt. I learned that from Ashley Francis, the I am, you are, I need. 
If you can't think of how to frame your prompt, start with that. So Claude is now analyzing this document, and I'm going to go take a look at some of these questions. Um, let's see. Nancy said, when would you use the paid version of ChatGPT4 versus Microsoft Copilot? Uh, I would say, um, I think if you want to create custom GPTs, if you want to use image generation, um, I, I'm, I can't actually recall if Microsoft, ah, this is the big one. Um, Copilot doesn't let you attach documents as far as I know. I haven't been able to do that. So if you want to attach documents and do research against you know, analysis documents or transcripts, that sort of thing, you'd want to use the ChatGPT4 paid version. Okay. So let's take a look at this response. Here is a plain English executive summary of the key points from the tax court case. The case involves a limited liability company called Murfim Enterprises that owned a large, undeveloped rural property. The LLC donated a conservation easement on the property to a land trust in 2010 and claimed a 5.7 million charitable tax deduction for the donation. The IRS challenged the deduction amount, saying it should be valued much lower based on the land as timber property. The IRS also asserted penalties against the LLC for valuation misstatement. And then we've got a list of the key issues. And the bottom line, the LLC was entitled to a 5.6 million deduction, just slightly less than claimed. No penalties applied due to reasonable cause and good faith reliance on tax advisors. And that is correct. That was the takeaway from the blog posts of the tax experts that I read is that, hey, if, if you relied um, on your tax advisors, you could get out of the penalty. Um, it's because the LLC's claim value was very close to the court's conclusion. And we could dig into this more, right? We could say, you know, tell me more about the reasonable cause determination and get more detail. And this is what I recommend you do when you're doing research this way is like really dig in just like you would if you asked for an intern to write a summary of something. If they can't answer that question, maybe they didn't get it right. Going back to what Nancy said uh, regarding attaching, uh, regarding Copilot versus ChatGPT. Um, if you're going to attach documents, isn't Claude.ai better? Yes, um, I do think it's better. But if you only want to pay for one of these, I would say ChatGPT because you're going to get most of the features. Uh, but if you really want to get the best analysis, I think Claude is a is a is the better for long document analysis. Uh, and here we go. The court made two important reasonable cause determinations in this case. And we get more detail here. So give this a try. And I think one way to prove this to yourself or to, to get an idea of its capabilities is to take a court case that you're really familiar with and upload it to Claude or to ChatGPT and query it. Give it a prompt like I gave it and then dig into it more and see, hey, you know, does this, does this meet my needs as an advisor? Uh, is it accurate? And I'd be curious to know what you think as well. All right. Um, let's keep moving on with examples. Let's talk about explaining accounting concepts. So this is uh, one of those things that we do a lot of as CPAs. If you have a small firm, well, 
really, if you're in public practice at all, you're constantly explaining accounting and tax concepts to your clients. And that can be really challenging because you've got this deep knowledge, uh, you understand all the lingo, and your clients don't. And trying to get it into plain English for them in a way they understand is very challenging. Same thing if you're a controller or a CFO, you've got a CEO that maybe just barely ever got through accounting, and you're constantly explaining those uh, concepts to them. Well, ChatGPT can help. Uh, so let's try explaining something. Uh, here's a common question. And I got this from Nicole Davis on Twitter, um, explaining tax basis to an S-Corp client. So let's say uh, I am a CPA, and you know what? I should follow my own advice and do the I am, you are, I need. So let's say I am a CPA, you are a, a helpful mm, accounting assistant. Draft an explanation of tax basis to my S-Corp clients. Use plain English. Use vocabulary a typical 10th grader would understand. Absolutely, Blake. Here's a simplified explanation of tax basis for S-Corporation clients, tailored for clarity and ease of understanding. Hello, S-Corp owners. Let's talk about something important in the world of taxes, your tax basis in your S-Corporation. Think of tax basis as your financial stake in your S-Corp. It's a bit like keeping track of your score in a game. It helps determine what taxes you might owe. What is tax basis? Imagine you start a game with a certain number of points. In your S-Corp, this is like the money and property you initially put into your business. This starting value is your initial tax basis. How does it change? As you play the game, you gain or lose points based on what happens. Similarly, your tax basis in the S-Corp goes up or down based on the business's activities. For instance, when your S-Corp makes money, your tax basis increases. When your S-Corp loses money or you take out distributions, your tax basis decreases. Why does this matter? And I won't read the rest of it, but you get the idea. So I'm not saying this should substitute for you explaining this to your clients, and you should definitely fact check this, but it's a great starting point for explaining complicated um, concepts to a client. And you could even say, uh, explain it like I'm five. and see what it comes up with. And now it's using a piggy bank example. So I hope this gives you some uh, ideas. If anyone wants me to try a different concept, I'd be happy to just go ahead and put it in the comments. Benjamin asks, how can we set up pre-prompts so we don't have to type out the I am, you are every time? That's a good question. Actually, this is a benefit of ChatGPT that I haven't explained, which is um, custom instructions. So if you go to your settings here down at the left, you click on your name. Oh, and you can't see that because of Benjamin's quote. So there we go. I'm going to hide that. So down in the bottom left, you see Blake Oliver. Your name will be there. And you go to custom instructions. This allows you to create some instructions that go with every prompt automatically every time you write it. So in this field, we get to let GPT know about us. So you can basically put in your bio. And I put in, I'm Blake Oliver. I'm a certified public accountant. My specialty is the intersection of accounting and technology. 
you know, I co-host the accounting podcast. I'm the founder and CEO of Earmark, all that. Uh, you can also, if you like, tell ChatGPT how you want it to respond. Do you want it to be formal or casual, long or short? How do you want to be addressed? So if you're using ChatGPT a lot to create communication for clients, you could put that in here, like your style, your writing style, what you want it to say. And then every time you use ChatGPT, the, the basic ChatGPT prompt, that will be in context. So if you do that, then you don't have to do the IMUR necessarily every time. Can still be helpful, but I think that would shorten that for you. There's also this concept of custom GPTs. You see here on my left side, I've got TaxBot and BTOBot. These are GPTs with even further custom instructions. So I'll just, I'll preview this for you. I'm not gonna dig too much into it right now, uh, unless we have time at the end. If I go to TaxBot and I hit edit GPT, I can configure this bot. Um, there's custom instructions here. So you could create a custom GPT just for your own use and give it custom instructions here. So you could actually have like a client communications bot and put those instructions here and then it will go along with any prompt that you use. Um, and you can also give it the ability to do web browsing or not. So for instance, if you're doing tax research and you don't want it browsing the web and you only want it to use the sources you provide, you would disable web browsing and you would enable code interpreter, which is the PDF upload feature or the document upload feature. Um, this is one way to control in more advanced ways what you're doing with ChatGPT. An example of that is I created a section 179 bot. So the way this works is um, it's specifically an expert in IRC section 179 queries. I gave it some custom instructions on that. And then I uploaded the PDF of the IRS publication specifically for that. And I should probably just disable web browsing as well if I wanted to only reference that PDF in its knowledge. This is one way to save yourself some time if you're doing lots of queries on the same topics. So I hope that helps, Benjamin. Uh, all right, back to, back to our agenda. I got another question here from Keith. Can you explain depreciation recapture to an artist who sold a rental property? Okay, let's do that. Explain depreciation recapture to an artist who sold a rental property. Um, let's also say um, prefer authoritative sources such as the IRS um, or, you know, large accounting firm blogs. Uh, cite your sources. Now, ChatGPT is connected to the internet via Bing. So if you tell it to search the web and cite its sources, it will do that. So now you can see it's visiting some websites. Oh, and we got an error. That happens sometimes. Let's try regenerating. <clears throat> now it's researching. Okay, we'll give it a chance to do that. I'm gonna go through the questions here. Let's see. Brian says, can you show us how you set up the data protections? Um, so for the data protection for Microsoft Copilot, it depends on what Microsoft 365 plan you're on. 
And I actually have that. I can find that page for you. Uh, Bing chat data protection. Or actually, it's called Bing chat enterprise. Let's see. Okay, here's the website for that. So again, they're rebranding it to Copilot, which is so confusing because it's been Bing Chat since they released it, and now it's going to be Copilot. Um, it's available at no additional cost for Microsoft 365 E3, E5, F3, A3, or A5 for faculty, business premium, and business standard users signed in with a work or school account. Enter ID. And when you log in, you will see a protected icon in the upper right if you are logged in with that account and you are using the commercial data protection version. And you can see here it says, actually, here's, the, here's what it looks like. You see that there's that green protected icon. So if you, if you see that, that means that data is not being saved by OpenAI on their servers. And the commercial data protection means that you can be confident the chat data is not saved. Microsoft has no eyes on access to it and is not used to train the models. I hope that answers your question. Okay, so going back to chat GPT, it's still searching. I wonder if it did that, if it's not doing this because I left the tab. Sometimes if you give it a prompt and you leave the tab, then it times out and it won't answer. And I wonder, I'm not sure exactly why it does that. I wonder if it's that to prevent people from doing multiple searches. All right, here we go. You can see that sometimes these take a little while. There's an immense amount of processing that's going on on the back end to create the answers to these prompts. It's not copying and pasting from the web. It's really important to know that. It's actually creating a new, a uh, unique response using generative AI intelligence. AI intelligence, that's a bit redundant. It's like saying ATM machine, isn't it? Lewis asks, how can I use these tools if I only work with iOS, Mac, and iPhone? Thanks. Well, I'm on a Mac, so anything I'm doing here, you can do. Um, you're not going to be able to... Well, and, and yes, you can use the Copilot Enterprise if you have a Microsoft 365 subscription because those work, on, um, those work on, on Mac. So it shouldn't stop you. Um, all right, let's see how this answer did. So it's kind of a long one, right? Um, shorten that and use language a 12-year-old would understand. You know, as, as an artist myself, or former working musician, I do, I do think it's important to simplify the language when you're talking about this sort of thing. All right, let's see how it did. Depreciation recapture is like giving back some of the tax savings you got when you owned something valuable, like a house or equipment, and then sold it for more money later. When you own something valuable, the IRS lets you pay less tax because the item gets older and less worth over time. But if you sell it for more than it's now worth, you have to pay some of those tax savings back. This happens because the IRS wants to make sure everyone pays their fair share when they make money from selling things that they use to get tax breaks on. So use your judgment as to how effective that is. Um, I'm going to guess that this longer explanation made more sense, but would, would your client actually read this? Maybe not. 
Again, it's a tool. It's not meant to substitute for your judgment. Hopefully it gives you a starting point to then refine and send to your client. So uh, let's keep moving on. We got more use cases to get to. Where did I put my notes? All right, here's another one. Um, this might be more applicable to those in corporate accounting. Uh, let's try this. Um, this is a long one. This is an interesting one too. Compose an email to the CEO explaining the impact of the new lease accounting standard, ASC 842, on our company's financial reporting. And then there's all sorts of details about what should be included in this memo. And we'll give it that and see what it does. Now it begins the email by saying, I hope this email finds you well. Um, which, you know, we can debate as to whether or not it's it's a good idea to start emails with that. And you can see here, we've got a memo that we're drafting. Now, at the very least, this gives you a format and a structure for the memo that you're writing to the CEO, and then you can go and modify it, edit it. I would love to have this as a starting point rather than just doing it myself from scratch. Uh, if I had to do it myself from scratch, it would never happen. <laughs> Okay, I'm not going to go through all of this. Give it a try yourselves. See what you think. Um, answering client questions. So this is one uh, where I think it can really help. We kind of already started doing this with like the explanation, but what if you get an actual question from a client? And I had this happen to me. I had a friend of mine, I had a friend of mine leave me a voicemail with an accounting question. And it was like, hey, I got a quick accounting question. Do you have five minutes? And then left me the voicemail. And I thought, there's no such thing as a five minute accounting question, <laughs> right? Um, so this is a good friend of mine. I didn't want to ghost him. And I thought, hey, maybe AI can help me answer this question. I noticed that my voicemail app on my iPhone transcribes voicemails. And the transcript was really ugly, but I figured maybe AI can help. So here's the prompt that you could use. Um, I am Blake Oliver, CPA. You are a helpful copywriter. I've copied a question from a client below. This is an auto-generated transcript, so it may have spelling or grammar errors. Research the question and draft a reply. Use language a 10th grader would understand. Prefer authoritative sources such as the IRS. Draft a response with an answer and include links to your sources. Use a plain English conversational style. And then here's the transcript. And I have changed the names in this transcript, just so you know, um, so that they're different. So this is not, you know, this is not my friend's name, any of that. Uh, so this is the voicemail transcript. I did not fix this. It's very ugly. Let's see how ChatGPT does. Um, I, when I previously did this, it did a pretty great job. Uh, and just to let you know what the question was, um, basically my friend is um, borrowing some money to buy a house. And the person he is borrowing the money from uh, is uh, concerned that it might be considered a gift by the IRS. My friend is not so much concerned, but wanted to ask my opinion on it because he doesn't want to uh, get into any trouble. And it came up with a response, and it breaks it down in a very simple way. It talks about whether this is a loan versus a gift and how the IRS defines that. And it says that you should have a formal loan agreement or a written acknowledgement of the loan. Gift tax concerns, documenting the loans, audit risk, expert advice. And it includes, like I asked it for, a link to the IRS gift tax page. Now, if you've been doing this for a long time, you probably have emails that you've sent before, you copy and paste. But if you haven't, 
this is a great way to create those kind of templates for you in answering those questions. All right, let's get to some more, let's get to some questions before I move on to the next one. Crystal says, I've tried using ChatGPT3, but I can't ever copy and paste the response to MS Word, Outlook, and so on without formatting going crazy or having weird borders. Is there a way to fix that? Um, yes. And that is the paste. Uh, you, you'll see this, actually, if you try pasting into Word, if you copy from um, ChatGPT into Word, just like a blank document. Let's try it. Yeah, you get this formatting here. Here's the trick. So you see this little icon that pops up, paste options? You want to hit match destination formatting. And there you go. Uh, and there's also, when you, when you paste, you can go to edit, paste special. You can do it from the menu here. And then you can do unformatted text if you want. Um, and also the shortcut is, and just instead of doing control V, you do, I think on Mac, it's shift control V to paste and match the formatting. So that's your trick there. Hope that helps. Now, one way to speed things up is to just use the Grammarly plugin. Um, if you are editing emails, I actually haven't tried Grammarly for doing any research. I don't think it's not connected to the internet or anything like that. So it wouldn't be good for that. So never mind. Okay, let's keep going with examples. Uh, and again, if you've got your own, um, let me know. Okay, here's another one. Uh, let's see if it can respond to an IRS notice. So responding to IRS notices, something that's really annoying to do. You may have templated emails for responding, but what if you don't? What if what if or what if you've never written a response to a particular notice? Um, let's ask it if it can respond to this. Are you familiar with IRS notice CP162A? And it's actually doing something interesting here. It's giving us two responses. It's, it's asking us to help train the model. So we're supposed to pick one of the responses that's better. Uh, and I can already tell I like response two better because it is a penalty. It's a notice about a penalty charge for a late filed partnership return. So I'm going to say this. Okay, so we know that ChatGPT knows what this notice is. I want it to help me respond to this notice. Right. So I might say this. I might say, I received one of these notices because I was late filing my partnership return. I need your help drafting a letter requesting relief under Revenue Procedure 8483. Um, what do you need from me to draft the letter? This is something that generative AI is great at because all it has to do is read a notice and read the instructions and follow the instructions. It's not, it doesn't take a lot of analysis, right? And so here it's asking me for this information. What do I need? What does it need? It needs my TIN, my name, the name of the partnership, the address, the tax year, the date, right? The reason for late filing. Um, so I'll say, here are some details. Um, I, I don't have all that information right now, but I'm going to give it some information. Um, 
create the draft letter um, use placeholders for anything I didn't provide. And now it's going to draft the letter. Isn't this a beautiful thing? Like I get the I get chills when I see AI do this kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, you know how I know this works? Because I, of all people, failed to file one of my partnership returns on time. I had to request forgiveness for this, and I used it. I used AI to draft the letter, sent it in, and it worked. Another thing you could do is you could take a letter you have written and you could ask ChatGPT, hey, what did I miss? Is there anything that I missed that I should include in this letter? Uh, we could do that here. How could we improve the letter to increase the likelihood of the IRS, uh, you know, forgiving the penalty? And I don't have to improve the spelling, but I'm gonna do it anyway. And now the AI is giving us some suggestions. Detailed explanation of circumstances, right? Provide a more comprehensive explanation for the late filing. The IRS is more likely to be sympathetic if the reason was beyond your control. Oh, another network error. Open AI servers must be busy today. Nancy says, amazing, nothing short of magical. I agree. So this is another way to use AI, is give it something you have written and ask, did I miss anything? What, what did I not consider? It can find blind spots. And it makes sense that it could because these LLMs have ingested most of the content of the entire internet, including most of the books that have ever been written because they've been digitized. So it has a vast knowledge and while it may not always be accurate, uh, it can certainly do a better job of brainstorming than we can because we only have a tiny slice of knowledge out of the whole world's knowledge. So asking it to spot your blind spots is really something great. <laughs> Lee says, Blake, I can send you a reminder on 314 at midnight. <laughs> Thanks. Actually, all, if all of you could just tag me on LinkedIn right before every single deadline, that would be very helpful. Thank you. Uh, Nisha asks, can you customize Copilot or Bing in the same way? No, not that I know of. And that would be a reason to pay for ChatGPT versus using Bing uh, would be to have these customization features. Now, I fully anticipate that Microsoft will build this in eventually. Uh, but right now, it doesn't have that. Nisha says, I'm on Mac, but use Office 365. How can I maximize my resources rather than a new subscription? Um, so you can, you should be able to, if you have an enterprise subscription, oh, you'd have to have a Microsoft 365 subscription. So if you just subscribe to Office only, I don't know if that counts. So you'd, you'd have to use one of the subscriptions that has Copilot, and then you won't have to pay extra. But if you don't, you know, it's $20 a month to pay for ChatGPT or Claude 
or $40 to pay for both, which if you ask me is well worth it in terms of the time you could end up saving. Okay, keep those questions coming. I'm going to keep going for another five minutes or so. And then, um, yes, because there's a really great example that I want to want to do. Okay, so drafting, um, drafting policies and procedures. Drafting policies and procedures. Great example, because policies and procedures have been drafted by companies for ages. And how different are they really? And AI can help us do this in a much more streamlined way rather than us having to do it from scratch. So um, for instance, let's say we want a comprehensive travel and expense policy, or at least we want a starting point. We could say draft a comprehensive policy around treatment of business travel costs, required pre-approvals, expense documentation and submission processes, allowances for all this stuff, you know, like just give us a policy. Now, you may not know how to draft this prompt. We could actually just say something like, you know, I want to draft a you know, travel and expense policy for my business. Uh, can you help me? Uh, what, uh, what, what questions do you have for me? To start drafting the policy. So you don't always have to know what the prompt is. You can just say, I have this problem. And then the AI will typically give you a list of questions. And you can simply answer those questions in the chat, and then it will help you create the policy. Do we want to set limits around travel class options or rental cars? What receipts slash documentation do we need? Will we reimburse for certain things? Anything we're going to exclude? What's the approval request, right? So we could go through and answer this just in the chat, you could even dictate your answers. Um, and that's one way that I love using AI is, is I use text-to-speech. We anticipate that employees will incur expenses going to conferences primarily. We will require actual itemized receipts and will not offer per diems. Employees must submit expense reports within 30 days. We allow employees to use personal vehicles and they will be reimbursed at the standard IRS mileage rate. We will reimburse via payroll only. Employees must travel via economy class. Business class will not be reimbursed. Receipts are required for any expense over $75. And you can just write it like that. And now it's going to draft us a travel and expense policy. And we can pop this into Microsoft Word, into Google Docs, and just edit from there. Pretty neat, huh? Now, there's an even better way to do this, which I just experimented with this morning. Uh, and that is have a meeting with your business partner or whoever is helping you come up with a policy and just talk about what you want it to be. Just, just record that meeting. I use a tool called fireflies.ai. It joins all of my meetings and records them. It comes into a Zoom as an attendee. It comes into Google Meet as an attendee and it records the meeting. 
And so I get a transcript of every meeting. And if you don't want somebody to record it, you just kick it out. So this morning, as an example, David Leary, my business partner and I, oh, look at that great photo of me, uh, did a meeting talking about the earmark time off policy because we don't have a formal time off policy, right? And Fireflies, you're looking at Fireflies here, recorded the meeting. And so I've downloaded the transcript and now I'm gonna upload the transcript into Claude and I'm going to say, um, summarize this meeting transcript. And here it's giving us a set of bullet points on what we decided for the policy. It's stating that employees are going to set their own schedules, but they have to put regular hours in a shared Google Doc. This will be pinned in the new Where Am I Google chat room. That's exactly right. Any changes to availability must be posted in the chat room, preferably the day before. For extended time off, employees should provide at least four weeks notice and indicate who will cover their responsibilities. This is totally accurate. They must put this in their Google Calendar. Yes, that's exactly what we discussed. Um, we're going to create a Google Doc for tracking hours. There we go. Yeah, this is exactly right. 100% accurate based on the meeting that we had this morning. Um, so now I can say, you know, draft the uh, time off policy document based um, on uh, what we decided. So think about all the different policies, procedures, workflows you have in your firm. You could simply have a meeting and it could just be you in the meeting if there's no one to talk to, but I find it helpful to have somebody to talk to, right? Just be you in the meeting, talk to somebody, and then you know draft the, draft the policy, explain the workflow. You could do a Zoom meeting where you just record yourself um, doing something, or even a Loom video where you record yourself doing something. As long as you narrate it, you can use the transcript in Claude to create documentation. There we go, written document from a 10 minute meeting. How does Firefly's AI compare to Otter AI? Um, I tried using Otter a while ago. It does the transcript. I just found that it was much more geared towards sales than just general purpose. And so um, I like Fireflies. Fireflies actually has like a built-in chatbot kind of feature now but I don't like how the pricing works. You have to pay per prompt and like, I, I'm not sure what exactly AI it's using. So I just actually take the transcript. I download it as a, I download the transcript as a CSV file, believe it or not, and then add that to Claude. And I get really good results. Since I already pay for Claude, I might as well do that. Um, Clay says, outstanding presentation. I've attended dozens of AI slash machine learning presentations. All tend to focus on the future state. This gives me something I can put to use today. So thank you for sharing. Thank you so much, Clay. That was exactly the objective here today. And I'm so glad that you enjoyed it. Steven says, if it is a meeting about a client using Fireflies or Claude to summarize the meeting, could expose client information, could it not? Yes, that is an important concern. So you need to make the determination as to whether or not you are comfortable putting that information into Claude. Now, Fireflies is a tool that has a um, terms of service that protects, um, like, well, you'll have to review the terms of service and decide if it is you know, good enough to protect client information. That's up to you. Now, Claude 
uh, when you use Claude, they do say that uh, they could view your prompts to improve the model. So, you know, like that's a personal determination. Uh, for this kind of meeting that I had with David, like there's nothing proprietary, nothing I'm worried about somebody stealing. I think the risk is extremely low. But if you're talking with a client about their like personal tax situation, right? First of all, does the client know you're doing this? And second of all, are you comfortable putting this information into a Claude? Um, Nancy asked, why do you download the transcript to the CSV instead of a doc? I found that um, the more formatting there is in a document, the harder it is for the AIs to analyze it. This could be changing, but this, the CSV worked for me. I had issues at one point with uh, Word documents getting analyzed properly. So I just did the CSV and it worked, so I've continued to do that. Uh, 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 let's see, Darren said, please be honest, after the CPE, you are going to upload the transcript and then ask Claude to spit out five questions to qualify for CPE and then send them to us, aren't you? 100%, uh, Darren, we are using, we are exploring using AI uh, to generate continuing education courses. And um, it does actually a really, really good job. We still have human writers who review and we have C a CPA who signs off on all of our CPE, uh, but it is enabling us to create content, create CPE courses incredibly fast. And uh, I don't wanna forget before we hit the top of the hour, um, it's very important to know if you want CPE, we are going to email you. There's nothing you need to do now. We are gonna email you in a few days with a link to the course on the Earmark app. So you can download the Earmark app, go to the app store on Apple or Google Play, search for Earmark, download the app, sign up. When you get that email, you'll click the link on your phone and it, will, should, it should open the app to the course. You will register for that course for free and then you'll take a five question quiz. And uh, if you've attended today, you should be able to answer that quiz, um, pass it. If you don't pass the first time, don't worry. You can take it as many times as you need to get your CPE. Cindy says, wonderful webinar. I'm so excited. Thank you. Todd asks, can you upload a PDF file in the Bing chat prompt? You cannot as far as I know. So that's a reason to subscribe to ChatGPT Plus or to Claude. Crystal says, best AI webinar I've taken yet. Awesome, Crystal. Thank you. I hope everybody uses AI after this. Uh, Nancy says, Blake, you already know I'm one of your biggest fans, but this one was out of the park. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. I use AI every day now, and I hope you all start doing it too. Um, Thomas says, I just asked Bing Chat if you can upload documents for analysis, and it said yes, you can upload documents to Bing Chat for analysis. One way to do this is by using the ChatGPT-powered Bing sidebar in Microsoft Edge. Oh, so let's see if that works. Uh, we'll go real quick. All right, did I lose my Edge? I can't find it. Oh, here it is. So if I'm in Edge, this is the, so there's a little sidebar here now. See, I don't have the ability to upload a document. So that might not be right. Uh, maybe in a future webinar, we'll figure out how. Thank you all so much for joining. Um, that's all the time we have. I really appreciate it. Uh, we'll do more of these AI webinars. So stay tuned to our emails. Uh, become an Earmark member if you are not. And I look forward to sharing more AI insights and learning from you as well in the future. Thanks, everyone.